Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Georgia. With me is Greg Velasquez in Iowa. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Hey, Greg. How you doing? Bells, I'm all right. Hey, I just want to get this out of the way right now, like the standard home podcast disclaimer. Uh, the lull in the men's national team action uh, that we've been experiencing has coincided with a rise in lawnmower action in central Iowa. Mm-hmm. So you're going to hear you're going to hear some lawns being mowed. Not everyone switched to the rechargeable batteries uh, in their lawnmowers. We got some we got some leaf blower, some lawnmower <laughs> situation. Yep. A lot of two stroke engines in northwest Georgia, too. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, motor, motorbikes. Let's uh, let's dive into this. Uh, what's been going on during the lull? Yeah, for well, first of all, we should say that the lull is is about to come to an end. There's going to be between the the men's national team games at the beginning of June, the women's Concacaf Championship, and the U20 uh, Concacaf Championship, men's U20 Concacaf Championship. There's going to be I don't know, twelve, fifteen match recaps at least <laughs> that we're that we got to do over the next two months. Buckle up. Are we ready for that? <laughs> I, I am. I'm, I'm ready. And I'm, I'm actually really excited that we have the, the women's games with real stakes, you know, like uh, uh, yeah. the World Cup qualification, which is almost a formality. But the Olympic qualification for the women, which is very much not a formality uh, because you have to win the tournament. So you have to beat Canada. You have to beat the host nation, Mexico, uh, at least one of those yeah. teams uh, to get to the to secure a spot in the Olympics. You can get there another way, too. But to actually, like, lock it up this summer, the women have to win the thing. Yeah. And then it's nice that the it'll be exciting. It's nice that the U20s can actually get us to the men's Olympics, which, which has been uh, something that we pretty just, hard for us. Yeah. Haven't experienced in barely in our lifetimes. Only only a slight exaggeration. These will be the first meaningful U20 games since the U19 World Cup. December back in of, 2019. Yeah. 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 The, the Mendez show Mendez and Pomacall. What a time that was. Um, all right. So before we get into uh, sort of the main thing we're going to talk about, let's talk about let's talk about Challenge Cup a little bit. That was the that was the final was played between the North Carolina Courage and the Washington Spirit in Cary, North Carolina. Uh, and I find myself really uh, rooting for the Washington Spirit these days. I think I think a lot of people are going to be jumping on that train. Uh, I mean, they're they're the defending champions, uh, and they just have. Uh, decided to run with an absolute like exciting American youth core. Uh, that's just going to be a blast to watch potentially for the next 10 years. Yeah. Not that any NWL team can stay together for 10 years, but can keep a roster together for 10 years. But uh, like those players, man, they, they are, they are a blast. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I have, I'll have to check with analysis evolved, but um, the fun per 90 we get from Ashley Sanchez is I think unmatched any player in who calls himself or herself an american she's she's tops on that list all right so that's the top of your well uh, i feel like that's a, a prime topic for a monday review show is is running through the most exciting players to actually watch who bring you the most joy to watch is there another w- woman who's more fun to watch than San- sanchez because I, I don't think there's a man who is um it's gonna be tough so i still i'm still big on the trinity rodman train which to see them play together is a blast. Uh, and then, I don't know, there's something about uh, Macario and just the way she can dominate play. It might not, mm-hmm. it might not be quite as like a and one mixtape as Sanchez is, but there's still just like a, a real uh, 
enjoyment to seeing that happen. And then also Rose Lavelle. Certainly. Yes. And on all, on all fronts, <laughs> I, I, I guess we're spoiled for choice here. San, Sanchez seems like the kind of player who prefers to get an assist over a goal. Like says, says that like Kevin De Bruyne aspect to her anyway uh <laughs> anyway so um, we, the, i can see greg, i can see greg getting uncomfortable right now <laughs> that long that long-winded thing about the washington spirit is now immediately followed up with they didn't win the final they lost to north carolina yeah they lost they lost two to one uh that game was a brawl it was just like an absolute uh boxing match um more, more literally than it than i wish it would have been but uh even within that those that attacking trio of uh hatch rodman and sanchez for washington Still put together some really exciting moments. I know you clipped one. Uh, now that we know that Y Scout can be uh, run through the women's filter too, uh, just a lovely, how embarrassing! Just yeah, a lovely piece of uh, play there. I should, yeah, we should. I should issue a correction. I, I said that the Y Scout doesn't have women's players on it, and I was uh, dead wrong. There's a little Carl, Carl Carpenter was kind enough to point out. There's a little uh, insignia up on the right that you just click that says men, you click that, it changes to women. And all of a sudden you got all the women's clips you could ever watch. So, and, and I don't know, I had never done that before. I don't know if I gave my, my, like uh, my defense here, but like uh, it has like Y scout has a search bar, right? So that's how we always get around in, in it is to like, mm. okay, I'm going to search for this player or you can search for a team. So I'll type, start typing in United States and the United States comes up, the men's team, the U 20 team, the U 17 team, uh, but never the women's team. So I just thought that they didn't have women's players. You could start typing in a woman's name, and you don't get any results back. It's just that right. tiny little uh, toggle up on the top right of like the screen. That and, and the other thing is we have to stay in a very limited space in Y Scout to not like violate our terms yeah. of, of our contract uh, and be and be like kicked out for a month. So, right. So I, I don't usually go exploring too much. It's very much like get in here. Here's exactly where I can click to watch clips without without uh, ruining our our account. So. Yeah. Big thank you to Carlin for for bringing that to our attention. Definitely, it it is true though. It's like if you if you make the wrong move, and sometimes sometimes we do, you find yourself unable to do anything on Y Scout until the next billing cycle starts, <laughs> and that's uh that is crippling for the uh, scuffed enterprise. Here we go. Let's talk about. Um, it's been a week or so since I wrote a piece for Joe Lowry's new soccer publication, uh, Backheel dot com. And um, have you seen that, Greg? Yeah, that's that's awesome too. So Joe Joe realizing probably within this role, like, hey, we all still like talking about the the men's national, the men's national team, the women's national team. Let's uh, let's focus some energy on on some like content production there. And he's got a nice rather than just sort of uh, just random interactions on on social media about it. And so now we've got a nice home to discuss these things. It's good. Yeah, it seems like uh, I mean Joe's quite an enterprising fella. And um, it seems like uh, he's got Adam Whitaker Snavely helping him. So plenty of good stuff on that website. Check it out, backheel.com. When he rolled out the website, he some, somebody couldn't write something. So he, he needed me to help him by writing something late on. And it was a, a USMNT checklist before the World Cup, which obviously is in November. Um, and I wrote it and we're going to go through it and Greg's going to blow up what I've said. Probably not that much. I'm not. I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna blow it all. I'm excited. Like I said, this is a. Uh, th- these games for the men don't have the same stakes as the women's team and the youth teams. Uh, it's very much just about trying to like ascertain a little bit of extra information going into the World Cup. And I think you did a good job touching on sort of uh, 
what we can do in this sort of limited information uh, scenario this summer. So let's start with the most boring and obvious point, which is we just got to get healthy. Wes McKenney, Giovanni Reyna, and Serginio Dest in particular. And Reyna is the biggest worry here since he's faced setback after setback with his hamstrings and is so crucial. You know, I mean, is very arguably the most talented player on the team. So, um, you know, we really want to see him get back to health and that and getting people back to health, keeping people healthy sort of takes precedent over any information we might glean in June or even in September. Uh, so that's my first thing on the to-do list. Yeah. And, and obviously there's nothing really that can be done. We, we aren't getting injured because we're being reckless with our players. Uh, this is just going to be a matter of like finger crossing, right? Like, uh, I mean, I think even prayer, <laughs> yeah, I think even since you, you posted your article, we lost miles Robinson to, uh, uh, Achilles. Right? Yeah. So, um, so the other, the other part of this is if those guys can't go, it's just like think crossing your fingers that one of the, the guys that gets called in instead at sort of the back end of the roster, um, shows up and plays in a way that it's like, okay, it's not the worst thing in the world. No one's going to come in and be Gio Reyna, right? Gio, Giovanni Reyna. Like, that's not going to happen. But somebody could come in and be like, okay, this is a new player that sets the floor a little bit higher than what it had been. And that's kind of like the big hope now, or, or that would be the silver lining uh, if anything could happen. Could be like a Cameron Carter Vickers. Um, you know, I know people have some, some hopes about Georgie Mihailovic. Uh, that kind of player, can they come in and do sort of what Luca De La Torre did and give us what we think is like a elevated floor? Mm-hmm. So that's Keaton uh, Parks. Are we going to get in? Are we going to get into Keaton oh, Parks oh, today? Yeah, oh, yeah. So I know it will pro- that probably comes up later on in your list. But that's that's like I think that for me ties into this injury uh, crisis. You're going to call that again. We're going to have an ongoing injury crisis up until November, because at any point, two or three of our top 23 are going to be injured. Uh, so it's very much going to be about. What does it look like behind them and which guys are they yes. in particular <laughs> for the second thing? Let's let's I'm going to turn it over to you. What should Greg Berhalter do with regard to the goalkeeper situation? OK, so this is number two on the to do list. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of in big letters, goalkeeper situation. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think he should, I think Greg Berhalter should just play one of our good goalkeepers. I feel like that's the answer. And I know there's a lot of like worry about it and sort of like almost not quite panic, but. Uh, I think we have plenty of good goalkeepers and I think we sort of always have, they might not be at like, they might not be at, you know, peak Brad Friedel level, uh, but they're still good goalkeepers. Matt Turner hasn't done anything that like should start a panic, uh, for the U S the, the problem I feel like is a very artificial one. And it's that Zach Steffen, who has not actually been very good for us or for his club, his various clubs that he's played in in his career, if you want to go all the way back, uh, seems to be the first choice. And so the question is, is he still the first choice? Because if he is, that can be a problem. Uh, but that's just a matter of choosing the wrong guy. Do you, are you just as happy with Horvath getting minutes as you are with Turner? Or it's, it's kind of Turner 1, Horvath 2 for you? For, for me, Turner's still 1. Again, like the guy has, done, has put up outrageous numbers for his club over his career. Uh, like ridiculous and for the national team he has still done an excellent job despite the fact that like his last action for the national team uh was a soft goal that we gave up against canada where he was at fault for both the uh the sequence that started it with the poor goal kick and then Mm -hmm. it wasn't the like an out an unsavable shot that he conceded 
But that, like, I, th- I think I'd been talking about that since he'd started playing for us in the summer and doing really well in the Gold Cup uh, in 2021. That, that is inevitable. Every goalkeeper gives up soft goals at some point. Like, that, that's what they do over uh, a long enough timeline. The best goal- shot right. stoppers in the world, you'll eventually get a shot that's like, oh, that was savable. He just didn't do his best there. It's a rate thing. It's like, okay, but how often does that happen? And we've seen Turner already building up to this soft goal that he allowed just make outrageous saves for the national team. And we see it with this club. So for me, there's still no issue. Like the fact that now he has given up uh, a goal that you, you wish he would save more often. Like that's not, that doesn't incite any kind of worry in me. It's like, oh, okay, there's, there's a softer one. Wish you would have stopped that. He's a really good shot stopper. We're fine if he's playing. And then Horvath. It, so it, it, it's very much for me, just like people taking these insecurities about Stefan and, and his situation, the fact that he's not doesn't play very much and just sort of leaping to conclusions about the fact that like, oh, he's doing that because he doesn't play very much. And so now Stefan's issues are going to apply to Turner, who's going to go to Arsenal and not play very much when there's really no reason to think that that's going to happen. Stefan just isn't that good of a goalkeeper, uh, all told. And there's no reason to think that Turner's quality is going to be, uh, you know, somehow drop all the way to Stefan's level just because Turner's not playing. Wishing Turner the best at Arsenal next uh, next fall. And I guess if I can editorialize a little bit here, I think that this is a situation where Berhalter's loyalty to his selections is going to be tested because he really, you know, he has been, he has favored Stefan sort of against the evidence. Stefan's a former player of his. He has had attempts. Berhalter has had a tendency to stick with guys longer than he should have, I think, especially in retrospect. So, you know, the, we'll glean some information about Berhalter as much as anything in, uh, in June, I imagine. Because I think it's, it's kind of a toss-up. If, if you ask me to predict what's he going to do, it seems as, as likely he'll, he'll keep Stefan as the number one as he'll do anything else. So even, even his loyalty to his players, like it's not necessarily a matter of him like being blind to performance. I do think like for him, that's an important part of uh, like locker room management, uh, chemistry and morale and protecting that kind of thing Um, to, to not be seen as a totally ruthless, like you make a mistake, you're done. I know it's not just one game, even though Berhalter said that, you know, when he, when he was asked about it, uh, it's like, it's one game against, Costa Rica and it's like it's not and we all kind of know it's not come on Greg yeah <laughs> uh but like there is there's that element that like he doesn't want to you know wreck people's morale or or you know leadership dynamics within the group um but we have also seen that you know despite that loyalty he will eventually move from a guy and he he will eventually move like kind of uh, almost like permanently, right? Like you have players who played a long run and then that's it. It's not just like, oh, now they only have a diminished role. It's like they're gone. Uh, like Legette hasn't played since Panama. Uh, going back even to the 2019 end of the year stuff, Michael Bradley hasn't played since the Nations League lost to Canada. He was a starter for every game and then it's not like he got kind of phased out. He was gone. Uh, yeah. So, so that can also happen. And so I, I'm kind of with you. It's a coin toss of, how this is going to shake out, but uh, you're optimistic long term that it'll shake out in the appropriate way. I am. I really am. Uh, because again, I just think we ha- we do have good goalkeepers, and I think Horvath is another one who, for me, would be well ahead of Stefan. And he's another example of somebody who uh, that whole 
not playing regular minute, first team minutes thing just doesn't really stand up because when he's come in for the U.S. and when he's come in for big moments for his club, despite long spells uh, of not playing, like there's n- you don't see any difference in his performance. He's good. He's a good goalkeeper. Um, just mm-hmm. as long as we play one of our good goalkeepers, that's that's enough. I mean, I'm not saying that we won't give up some kind of a bad <laughs> goal in the World Cup. That happens sometimes. Uh, but it's not something I have out, outsized worries about so long as we play one of our good goalkeepers. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, number three is as much as is possible while keeping everybody healthy, we got to give the first choice uh, team and specifically the first choice front six or seven uh, attacking reps together. It seems clear that Burhalter has established a good defensive foundation and we should all be happy about that. But um, with a few exceptions, and I think, I wonder if you disagree with me here, but a few exceptions, maybe the Panama game, even, although that even has some caveats to it, um, we, we didn't put together sort of games where we were just generating bunches and bunches of chances. I don't think it's necessarily lack of talent. I think there's some debate about that. But, I, but we just didn't, we, we didn't quite nail down the attacking patterns in World Cup qualifying, especially when Tim Weah wasn't on the field. Gio Reno played like, uh, started one game in qualifying and Pulisic missed his share of minutes. Get those two and Weah plenty of reps with whatever strikers we think are going to be the strikers. And, uh, and then Anthony Robinson and Serginio Dest at fullback and Weston McKenney, Eunice Musa, maybe Luca De La Torre in the middle. Because uh, I don't think that group of players has that many reps together. I haven't done the math on all how much how many reps there have been, but not that many. I don't think. No, that's that is definitely the case, and and I agree wholeheartedly. For me, that is that is the number one priority is to uh, as much as possible get that group playing together. And obviously, that's complicated by Reina being out for injury. Uh, potentially, we don't know if they're going to be in camp or not. Reina or Dest, um, you know. Jedi Robinson also <laughs> seems unlikely to be in this camp. Uh, I mean, there was been, there's been some talk about him having surgery. I don't know what the latest is on that, but he's playing still. So right, but it, yeah, it, it seems like one of those things where they're fin- they finish the season out. Fulham are done. They have no more matches left. Um, so the question is, like, if he has the surgery n- now, I don't think there's any way that he's he's going to be in a camp. I don't think anyone would, that would be good for anybody. Uh, so. So that's going to be open the door for someone that we'll talk about later on in the list. Uh, but, but it is going to, or, or some, you know, vague some ones. Uh, but, but I agree with you that that should be a priority. I, I'm, I'm like apprehensive that we aren't going to have anybody healthy to go to, to build those reps. Yeah. It seems a little pie in the sky at the moment, doesn't it? Uh, but I, I'd be happy if we could get MMA out there with like a, Pulisic, like you said, Pulisic, Wea, and one of the strikers, some striker. Um, that'd be a pretty good start. Settle on a striker. <laughs> Let's talk about this. I assume you feel like we have a striker, and we've settled on him, and he's and he's going to work. I, I I wouldn't even go that far, but we I think we've settled on the striker to test out, uh, and that for me is still Jesus Ferreira, uh, and it's just mm-hmm. a matter of like, you know, people want to talk about the same thing, like strikers a big problem, strikers a big problem. There's some uncertainty around it for sure, but it doesn't feel like a big, big problem to me. Uh, like if you if you told me today that Berhalter had already settled, uh, barring like some huge outburst from somebody, 
uh, way beyond what Haji Wright is doing. If you told me that Berhalter had settled on Ferreira, Pepe, and Pifak for the World Cup, I'd be like, sure, that works. Let's do that. Like, Ferreira has been good, very good, in the games he's been able to play. Pepe has actually been, like, okay, good at times, and, like, mm-hmm. okay the rest of the time. Like, he's never been, like, an absolute tire fire out on the field at any point. So I know there's been a roller coaster. He's played a lot better for the U.S. than he has for Augsburg, I think it's fair to say. So, yeah, so there's been this roller coaster of a narrative around Pepe. It's kind of like the, it's a little bit like the Buzio one, where if you just kept your opinion sort of the same on him, then you've either been overrating him at times or underrating him at times. Uh, relative to the narrative, but like he's mostly been, I, I'm totally fine with him and what he's given us so far, and I'm very excited about the fact that he was 18 when he was doing it. Uh, but he, but yeah. even his 18 year old his performance uh, outside of his age qualification has still been okay, right? So I'm I'm fine with it. Uh, so I don't I'm not I don't think there's a ton of urgency. I'm hopeful that we can get another uh, name in there that looks good. But mostly it's just like the same thing. Build some good reps with the attacking players and see if we can see if we can fine tune things. See if Ferreira is really uh, able to do this against better competition or if he kind of disappears against Morocco or Uruguay. Uh, Yeah. So there's there's a lot of things to watch and sort of see how they develop. But I don't think I don't think of it as some like huge problem we're trying to solve. No. Yeah, I think that's that's a healthy way to look at it. And Ferreira, it should be no- noted, has seven goals, I believe, already in MLS this season. And, you know, a lot of nice ones. The only striker I feel like who hasn't been around, who does need to get a look is probably Haji Wright. I know, you know, his stat bomb radar is not as uh, broad as some people would like it to be in certain directions. But I don't know. You you. He he should get a call up into a camp just to see how he, he's he's a different player than he was back when he was just breaking in at Schalke. I think it's fair to say. And um, anybody else? So you're- I guess Brandon Brandon Vasquez. You know Matt Doyle was on the pod earlier this week, singing Brandon Vasquez's praises. Vasquez's numbers are good enough for me to be in this uh, camp, especially if we bring. I'm hoping we bring four strikers to camp. Uh, even if even if there aren't enough minutes for all of them to go around, just just at least get some kind of an in-person look at them uh, and see if anyone is clearly below the standard um, that's sort of been established by the Ferreira Pepe duo, and then and then Pifak is sort of the third guy. Pifak might be hurt; he's missed the last two games for young boys with injury, so we'll have to see if he's shut down for the summer as well. Um, and then obviously Daryl DK is shut down for the summer. I mean, so many injuries that you couldn't even list them all in your injury section. Uh, mm-hmm. But that, that would seem to open the door to a couple of new faces, uh, unless, unless, again, we get the Josh Sargent resurrection. That one doesn't seem as, as likely or as urgent to me right now. Well, I mean, he's not, he's not even healthy. I was going to say, yeah. he is also injured, at least for the season. I, I mean, so that, that's, that's where we are. Bring in Wright and Vasquez. Right in, right in Vasquez. That, that's what I'm hoping. Uh, Pepe, Pepe probably not going to be in this camp. So uh, it's what Burhalter has indicated. So even though I, I'd be fine with him and I think he's still in Burhalter's plans, it's, it's very much one of those where Burhalter is looking for somebody to, to match or eclipse him. Uh, so yeah, so if we got Haji, Vasquez, and Ferreira, like, and, and the rest of them are all injured, uh, I'd roll with that. Okay. Hey, before we go on to five, six, seven, and eight, uh, let me ask that if you are able, please consider subscribing to the Scuff Patreon. We've published two patron-only episodes this week, the Monday Review 
with Wacky and Vince, which happens, as you might imagine, every Monday, and a call-in show with Matt Doyle that was on Wednesday. You can get access to those and the Scuff Discord and other stuff, including a seven-minute video of Wes McKenney creating chances in the final third by subscribing to the Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Even at the $5 level, that's less than a vegetarian burrito at Chipotle. There's also a link in the show notes for a listener survey, which uh, we'd love to hear from you on what we could do better. And that's a good place to leave a comment. Um, That's for anybody, patron or not. That patron not only gives you access to the Matt Doyle call-in show, but it would allow you to call in with a question for the next Matt Doyle call-in show. Which is it's kind of funny, you know, Doyle takes a lot of written criticism on the Discord from people, you know, people um, criticizing him, but no, none of his uh, most vocal critics was willing to call in and have it out with him face to face. So if you are interested in doing that, yet another reason, you can ask him a question <laughs> right. or you can drop some scathing accusations to, to him uh, on, on the air. Which, to be fair, I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to have it out with him over his assessment of the next player we're going to talk about. He said, I thought he was too harsh on him and I just didn't want to argue with him about it. So I just kind of let it slide. But anyway, the next person we're going to talk about is John Brooks, John Anthony Brooks. My exhortation to the U.S. men's national team was that we should have a, a John Brooks redemption tour. And um, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't feel like that's going to happen, does it? No, it doesn't feel like it's going to happen. Like, uh, I mean, again, Burhalter had said already that he's bringing in CCV and that he probably that he doesn't feel the need to bring in John Brooks because he already knows what John Brooks has, uh, which, again, is kind of like a funny uh, refutation to what he'd said in his last press conference about Brooks not being needed for the March camp because he has some holes in his game that couldn't be addressed in a short camp so that he'd be better served in a longer camp. Uh, at which point we've decided that we're still going to leave him out of the three or four week, whatever it will be extended camp in the summer. Um, now again, that was before miles got hurt, but you know, as I've, I've kind of made clear, I don't think that this is fully soccer reasons for Brooks being left out. Uh, so it can't be, so I don't think that the miles injury is going to change anything. I think Brooks is still on the outside. Uh, and I don't know if it's even, I mean, Brooks is publicly, you know, certainly made some made comments to the effect of like wanting to be in. So if, if he's saying that publicly and still not, they're still not cleared internally. Uh, it seems like that's not going to happen. Yeah. He's 29 years old. This is the guy who, you know, scored that goal against Ghana in the 2014 world cup and fell on his face on the turf and disbelief. You know, one of the great moments in the men's national team's history, a late game winner. And um, looks like he's going to get Donovan pretty much. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, I mean, uh, I guess that's, that's sort of that, right? Like that there's not much that can be said. And if it, if it really is behind the scenes stuff, uh, then I get it to be honest. Like, I don't, I don't know what would be the cause of it, but if that's what it is and there is like an issue uh, between the personalities, then that's that. Like you, you, you kind of have to roll with that. I, I mean, France is sort of, I think y'all were talking about the the France drama. Like they left Benzema home. Benzema is clearly a good enough player to compete in a tournament. I think it's fair to say. I think like that's an yeah. understatement. Uh, and they went and won the World Cup uh, because they had to make a call on the on the team dynamic. Um, yeah, probably a little bit more severe 
case of team dynamics there. Uh, what, what was going as on? As far as we know, <laughs> as far as we know. But still, like you know, there there is something where at some point, without without the information on the on the actual chemistry issues here, um, you know, like you kind of just have to be like, okay, well, I guess that's that. And you know, at the, at, a, at a much lesser scale than that, even like I've been in that boat with with Dwayne Holmes forever, right? Like, okay, I think he's clearly been good enough to have gotten a shot. Uh, certainly throughout all the winger injuries we had been dealing with for the last three years. Um, he never did. And I, I don't believe that those were soccer issues. Uh, but that's like, if there really are chemistry things, then it's kind of like, okay, fair enough. If that's what it is, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And there is, I mean, to be fair, there is a soccer rationale for it. I mean, Brooks, um, I, I'm not, I'm not as down on how he's played for the U S as Doyle is, but he, you know, he's, he's not that mobile. He's not that good in the open field defending in space. I can see that there are arguments for him not to be in the camp, I, not, not to be in the team for sporting reasons. I don't agree with them, but I, there, there's, there are arguments to be made. Uh, I'll go as, uh, so Oof. far. <laughs> the farthest I'll go is that I can see arguments for him to not be in the eleven. Uh, but I, I can't, I can't get all the way to arguments that he's not in a 23 man roster, certainly in a 26 man roster. Yeah, that's, I agree with that. I disagree with myself and I agree with you. <laughs> um, the next thing is we got to find a backup left back. Do we have to find a le- backup left back? I mean, this is, this is one that would be nice, right? It would be nice to find a backup left, backup left back. Assuming that, uh, Anthony, D- that Jedi does have surgery and assuming that that surgery goes you know, as they seem to expect it to go, that it's, he's not so hurt that they stopped playing and they kept playing him even after the possible surgery was announced. Uh, he's going to play every minute, right? He's going to play every minute of the World Cup, barring injury, suspension, or us securing qualification uh, a match early. So he's, he's our guy. Um, but yes, it would be nice to have a backup left back. The, the worst thing for me would be if, if Berhalter rolls with Sergino Dest as the de facto backup left back, because I hate the idea of blowing up a starter in another position uh, if it happens where you now have to play, you're forced to play him at left back. So mm-hmm. um, again, silver lining to the injury situation. If, if Jedi can't go this summer and Dest can't go this summer, he's got to play somebody else at left back. And who's the pro- who's the best proxy for Robinson? Because it, because even though I think it's important that we have a left back for the reasons you said, it's it's probably more important that we get attacking reps with a player who's like Robinson. If Robinson's not going to be there, and I guess maybe that's Bello. I mean, Bello's the closest. I'll take Dwan Jones on that one. So that's that's my okay. that's my shout, and it's it's been it's been my shout since the January camp, I think, where Jones was in it. Uh, Beralder gave him some praise, but then Jones was was left out of the the whole camp, and I think we just didn't carry a backup backup left back in the, yeah, the we winter camp. Uh, so Jones is Jones is my hope. Um, after that, after that, I don't really I don't really care. I, I I still think that my my goal here is to just find a guy who who sets a floor for us. And for me, Bello doesn't set a very good floor. Uh, he's I think he's shown even in the Bundesliga, but before that for the national team and in MLS, like he is kind of a liability defensively um, in a way that you wouldn't expect from a, from a seasoned pro player or certainly not an international level. So uh, I'm just hoping that I think Dewan Jones is a guy who could set a floor um, in the event that we, that Jedi goes down. Yeah. 
Jones seems like the best floor guy we have for sure. Um, and Bella, it's worth noting Bello. I know you didn't say otherwise, but Bello's still very young, same age as Peppy and um, Reyna. Uh, so, you know, he has plenty of opportunity to become that seasoned veteran yeah. and not a defensive liability. And, and not even just over the long term. Like, Bello could make a leap. Like, leaps are possible for these guys. Bello, Jonathan Gomez, uh, at Sociedad, like, there there are big jumps possible. And since the World Cup is still seven months away, like those big jumps could happen in time. And we would yeah. we, we should get to see it if they happen. It won't be like, uh, hopefully won't be under the radar. Sam Vines has kind of fallen out of the picture, hasn't he? Yeah, I guess. Like Vines, Vines doesn't do anything for me. I don't think he's like a, a terrific defender. And, and that, that's based on what I've watched of him at uh, Antwerp because I, I would go back through and watch his clips. And he's not he's not a, on skates all the time, but he, he also, for me, isn't as attentive. It's, it's kind of the same thing as with Bello. Like that weak side defense just isn't attentive enough uh, where he, mm-hmm. he either leaves too big of a gap between his center back like because he's stuck with his man on the side on the sideline, even though the threat is clearly going to come somewhere else uh, or just not enough urgency off of the ball to be like what could become dangerous next. So he, for me, feels also like a defensive liability and he doesn't offer quite enough in the attack to be like, but he's a, he's an attacking, you know, savant. So he's worth it. Um, so it, it just goes back to that floor issue. Where I don't think vines is enough of a floor setter right now for me to, to really hope he gets on the team. We'll just have to see again, because one of these three guys, one of these four guys is for sure going to be in the June camp at least mm-hmm. and probably playing significant minutes. And I know you mentioned him already, but I don't think Gomez quite sets the floor we need in terms of, defending either it's it's a little bit more of like a physical thing like he loses a lot of he loses a lot of aerial duels for instance uh if you want to see if bello makes a leap this weekend he play, he plays he plays against rb leipzig at 8 30 a.m central time on espn plus um that was a, that was an amazing espn plus pitch but like just trying to be useful to the listener and uh and use the playbill for all it's worth greg okay jim nance all right what's next <laughs> the next the next thing is, the next thing is we got to identify a fourth and fifth number eight in the depth chart under burhalter the u.s plays a three-man midfield of course with tyler adams sitting deep as a number six and two number eights in front of him those have been west mckinney and Eunice musa as the first choice names on the team sheet with luca della torre adding himself to the picture late in qualifying um he's i think widely considered number three after him it gets uh it gets a little less comfortable now i i acknowledge this is not like an urgent need we don't it's not i mean those three guys are gonna get most of the minutes at this position but that's and that's that's where i was gonna jump in i was gonna jump in on that with my minor modification being like any fourth or fifth eight that shows up and like looks good again at that floor setting or raises the floor a little bit would be gravy my big my big thing is actually going to be really establishing Luca as the number three, which just means getting him more minutes uh, and more reps and making sure that his performance is still similar to what we saw in those home games. And it's just like Jesus Ferreira, right? It's kind of funny because, you know, there, you, can't, you can't really be in the U.S. men's national team space without sort of uh, walking along the proxy war stuff of MLS versus Euro versus uh, USSF stuff. Um, mm. And so... You know, there are a lot of people who are still very much like caveating Ferreira and saying Ferreira's not the guy and he put all these numbers up against the bad teams in the home games of qualifying. Uh, but then they very, it very much doesn't seem to be a consistent line of Luca de la Torre and we've got to make sure that he can do it aside from doing it 
in home games against the bad team. So I, th- I think he will, just like I think Ferreira will be a useful uh, striker for us. I do think Luca De La Torre will be useful for us, but it's really important that we actually see that happen uh, in some more difficult settings. Okay. Yeah, and and he'll get those difficult settings, hopefully, against... I mean, even if Morocco and Uruguay don't take these games seriously at all, they're going to be better settings than the ones that he's he's been in so For far, sure, for right? sure. Because, again, Honduras was a dead rubber, too, right? Honduras had nothing to play for in that game. Uh, so so that, for them, had to, had a, already a broken mentality, plus they're not very good players. So Uruguay and Morocco, just for, just for you know, playing for World Cup spots... Uh, and being much better players, if he gets some good chunks of minutes in that in those games, uh, it's already going to be a higher level than what he saw in in half of his World Cup minutes, World Cup qualifying. Mm-hmm. The names that are bandied about for the fourth and fifth spots are you know Tim Tillman, Pax and Pomacall. I'm still I still hold out hope for Alex Mendez, although I, I don't I don't think that's likely to happen. Anybody else come to your mind? So I still have Eric Williamson on that list. Uh, I still think he was the like best eight end of the gold cup team that won a trophy, even though he got very limited minutes in that as well. Um, but those, my, my big three that I, I still go back to the floor business would, would be uh, Pomacall, Tillman and Williamson. Um, after that, you know, Mendez is not a guy that I think of as setting a good floor. Uh, I don't think that's what he would sort of uh, be bringing um, in the same way. That I don't think Buzio sets a particularly high floor. I think those two guys are kind of similar. And what they're trying to be, but not quite good enough at it mm-hmm. yet to to warrant a spot. Uh, yeah, Mendez is a ceiling guy, not a floor guy. <laughs> so, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, would be would be like the Williamson, Pomacall, Tillman trio, and and I'm I'd be I'd be thrilled if even, any of them even got a call up. I don't have high hopes that any of them will even be called up for this camp. Yeah. But you're right. It's the 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 important thing. The most important thing is is Delatore getting plenty of reps. And then the last thing before we get out of here is uh, we just got to schedule some good friendlies in September. Berhalter said that the uh, opponents would be out of the Asian Federation, um, and the implication is that they will be held in Europe because that's where our players are. And U.S. the U.S. Twitter account uh, made sure to say that these summer friendlies and Granada match were going to be the last chances to see the u.s on u.s soil prior to the world cup so we are looking the most likely outcome here is european dates against uh teams from asia okay all right well busy few weeks coming up ahead uh mikey varus on monday hopefully and oh yeah one other thing i meant i should mention is we're tr- we're going to try to do some historic recaps of uh usmnt world cup games uh, starting with Czechoslovakia in 1990. There we go. And we're going to... The Wayback Machine. Yeah. It, I think these are going to be fun. There's a lot a lot to get into. And, um, you know, we'll roll those out sort of at a metered pace. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Greg. We'll see you.